Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just you forgot to enter. Whoa! Good morning, good afternoon, good night. This is Connor Hallway, aka Big Bochi of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a GDP Minute. We just had the boys, Josh Schubeck and Mike Kenler from Phoenix Down Recording, which is a big Boston studio up on the show. And two main takeaways, man. There was a lot of plant-based vegan talk, and Mike said, hey, man, this is why you should go vegan. And honestly, it made, made pretty good sense. And Josh is also an audio engineer, a budding audio engineer in the city. And he's worked with big artists like Little Baby and Cowboy. And he's worked on Crumb Projects and Young Jeezy Projects. And so in terms of Boston music, that's kind of a big deal that there are these massive, there's this massive connection to commercial and industry artists. So Josh kind of explained why, how he's helping bridge the gap between Boston and commercial music and what it means for the rest of the city. Those are some big takeaways. Also, we're just boys, so we kind of just ran the episode pretty informal and we ripped it. And my guy, Big Fresh, made an appearance on the mic today. Yes, sir. So you can hear him every single episode. Without further ado, that is a GDP Minute. I hope you guys enjoy the full episode. Yes, sir. I really think that's like what you're talking about with big commercial artists coming in. It's almost like a validation in a sense. It's a hope thing for kids. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe Little Baby has been in Boston. Yeah, like the Little Baby thing is huge because it's like, okay, this is a guy who's like kind of at the top of his game right now. In the industry. Yeah, and throughout the country, like, you know, he's got hits with, he has 9 billion streams, which is crazy. Like, that's wild to think about. Josh also, he helped mix Baby. I can say that. That's fine. Maybe it's out. It's fine. I know. Just, you know how I feel about that record. <laughs> Hi, I'm Josh Schubeck. And I'm Mike Kenler. And this is our golden hour. Oh, oh God, what's going on? Where am I going? Oh. Dad? Yes, my son. I am Deuce, the dear God. I'm so confused. Who am I? Derek. Your true name is Dercules. Dercules. Wait, what? Yes, you are Dercules, the god of the forest. <laughs> Season five. Hosted by your favorite podcast host, Big Bochy. You already know the deal, mother. What's up? Why would you double clap? Listen, you double clap. listen, listen. Before we begin, before we begin. We've already begun, but this is how I start the episodes now. Hey, everybody. If you're listening or you're watching, I'm Connor Holloway. On Instagram, I'm Big Bochi. I got a lot of aliases for myself, but if you get any sort of value from this episode, and I mean any sort of value, you're entertained, you learn something, something helps you out, dude, just share it with a friend. Just share that episode or share that podcast with a friend. Or your family. Or your family. That's a great For idea. Random strangers as well. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Got it. Stupid idea, Mike. Got it. But nonetheless, this is the Golden Hours podcast. And let's start the episode. Dun, dun, dun! So, the podcast recently has taken a business shift, which I've noticed. I've actually been enjoying a lot. You know, me and you, we love talking about business. We think we're a lot more successful than we are. <laughs> and so I've been fascinated with business. And so probably the last like 10, 15 episodes have been professionals. This episode, 
is not necessarily professionals, but it is a bunch of great guys having an awesome time. And so I do want to make sure that we have at least one or two points in the episode where we can get a clip of value for people. And so I have some good questions I think I can ask you for value, a.k.a. Surf Mike, a.k.a. Radiating Skin Mike. And then in the middle, we have young Rick Rubin, who's actually kind of at the head of a lot going on in Boston music. So I feel like we'll be able to kind of get something for the kids for that. Would you guys concur? 100%. Oh, yeah. We're on the same page? Yeah, for sure. Okay, with that being said, on my right, in the middle, actually looking straight at us, Abu, can you give us a little audio? What up, what up? Look at that, bro. That's a different dynamic. <laughs> Do we have a camera on Abu? Nah, we'll get one. We'll, we'll get a, we should uh, get that Go- GoPro. Yeah, yeah the yeah. GoPro. Hell yeah. But yeah, this is nice. I like having you on. This is great. So Big Fresh is in the building. Shout out to Big Fresh. In the middle, I have my stepbrother. <laughs> Still doing that. Step bro, A.K. Josh Shubeck, Shubeck, Shubinsky. You want to give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, I work at Phoenix Down Recording, engineer and producer over there, um, and that's basically my life. Josh has been on the podcast before. True. Back in in an earlier stage of the show. Yeah, I think it was like February. Yeah. And Josh kind of undercut himself a little bit. Josh has been working with major, major artists. And dude, he, well, when's your birthday? October. So Josh is only 21. And right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's been working with major artists in the city. And his, he's had kind of a chaotic year in terms of career. And not to mention, he's still a f- full-time student. It's true. Senior at Tufts University. Great. On, and then on my right right, you guys don't know this character, but I do. Legend. Honestly, we could give you, we could talk about your government name. Just say, hey, it's Mike Kemmler. But Mike Kemmler's my government name. Okay. Yeah. Mike but, Kemmler. But I was just going to say Surf Mike's in the building. People know me by Surf Mike. Has, I don't know how to surf. Has that started <laughs> to spread yet? No. <laughs> it's just Josh. <laughs> Okay, you want to give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I would say the first thing is I'm a senior with Josh at Tufts University. I study international relations, but I'm not interested in that. My two interests are music and plant-based life. And being a good guy. And being a good guy. It's also his birthday in a couple of days. Are you young too? 22. Oh, so you're old. Well, so you're both old. Yeah, we're like two of the older kids. You're old for the grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boo's birthday was two days ago, right? What's today? Yeah, yeah. Oh, happy belated, man. Thank you. Man, it's big. Did you guys meet at Tufts? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's start off on Mike. Talk to me. So Josh has been holding it down at Phoenix Down for what now? Like a year, year and a half? Yeah. Let me just go to, can you just move this stool a little bit so when you're looking at me... You just get that. You'll feel that. Yeah, move it this way so you can get that robust hit. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Robust. Shablames. So, you've been, at, you've been at the studio since when? Uh, started as an intern February of my sophomore year of college. So, like, this February will be two years. Oh, like no year. way. So, it's longer than I thought. Yeah, but in the beginning, it was like I'd come in one day a week. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't serious at all. There'd be weeks where I didn't come in at a time. And you were the sole intern, right? Yeah, I was. There was like an intern from Berkeley College of Music who would come in every now and then, but like too smart. 
Yeah, they just weren't that into it. So, like, it was really just me. Um, and the studio was so different back then, you know, like, it was just John. So, like... Um, was it physically different, the space? Yeah, the B room was a piece of... was terrible. Um, oh, I've seen pictures. It was yeah, like, it was like, like the desk was on the other yeah. side. The couch was disgusting. Um, the live room was a mess. Upstairs was a mess. There was no C room yet. Um, it was really just like so. What, what what was in the C room? It was just a lot of. Um, <clears throat> there was no like walls or anything. It was just shelves. Damn. Yeah. That would have made your life way harder, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first day I came, <laughs> the first day I came, there was this box I remember, and John was just like, "I ordered this shelf. You know how to set this stuff up?" And I was like, "Of course." And no idea. I spent like that was probably hours. such an adjustment for him having like an employee. It was probably yeah. like, dude, what? But the like heck? the only place that made money in the studio at that time was the A room and John. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was very different. Yeah. So I wonder how long it took for him from the inception of the idea, like, hey, okay, I'm making money here. I, I can start making money out of this room too. How long do you think from start to finish that started happening? I know exactly when it happened. It was when he went to Miami with Jeezy on one of the trips and they ended up going to DJ Khaled's mansion, like the We The Best Studios. And he saw how he ran it. And it was, you know, a lot of engineers, a lot of producers um, and DJ Khaled almost in like this, like CEO role overseeing everything. Maybe not as hands-on. He was just like, like a facilitator. Kind yeah, of. like getting people connected. You know, this guy needs to be working with that guy. I need this engineer working on that record. And then that kind of like gave John the idea, like I can implement that same business model here and like have people working under me. So I think that's one thing that Mike, you probably learned too from being in the studio is like, and one thing I think you guys are doing a really good job at and like you've got, yo Josh, you've gotten much better at too. is just like operation and facilitation. Is that like one thing you think you've learned from the studio? Yeah, I would say. So for those who don't know, I worked at Josh's studio. I worked there for, probably a month and a half, two months total. And I was basically just a like an operations person, like organizing things. He made it spick and span, man. Yeah, cleared out the live room, organized a whole upstairs, created an inventory, just kind of got it together. Um, and, and, you, the one, and you guys had some good chemistry working together too. It was palpable, I would say. <laughs> Can you elaborate on palpable? You, When we were in the same room, everyone knew that we were in the same room, even if you couldn't see us. Yeah, that was I, the energy. I loved working with Mike. Good. I love that. Now we had a great time. <laughs> You're a great guy. <laughs> um, Continue, one, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I would say I did learn is that ideas are a bunch of garbage. Like, if you, if you want to do something, you have to just do the thing. You just have to do it because it won't get done. People love throwing out ideas for things, and they're like, oh, great idea. You're cool. You're not cool. Do the thing. Execution is the game. You have to do it. Would you concur? Yeah, definitely. That happens all the time. It's literally only about getting stuff done. Yeah. Well, you can talk a good game, but I just care about what you've done and what you're doing. Big Fresh, would you agree as a, as a young creative? It's, it's tough because a lot of creatives are space-brained, and so they have a ton of ideas, and they never get anything done. But how it's tough to progress if you're you have like a career in the arts and you're not putting stuff out. Yeah, well, that was what I think was interesting about Mike at the studio was like that's kind of how everyone saw everybody was like Mike just gets stuff done. Yes, because well, a lot of us like myself included would you know do a lot more talking than doing when it came to like stuff that needed to get done, not creatively, but you know like business wise or stuff like that at the studio. And Mike just came in every morning and just you know went to work. Mike, you're heavy on having a good schedule for yourself, huh? 
What was that? Can you elaborate? You're, you're heavy on like time management, good schedule. Yeah. That, um, that's pretty unheard of for a college student. I was actually the same way, not to do dirt off my shoulder. But I'm sure everyone like sleeps in, is totally hungover. You wake up. Why and, are you pointing at me? I, I went like this. Like, <laughs> dude, Tufts is that way. You know what I'm saying? But have you noticed that like your time management efficiency is different than most of the other students? I, for some people, for sure. But I think you got to balance everything. If you're just, if you load up your schedule with a billion things and you spread yourself thin, then you can't <clears throat> devote any one, th- like you can't devote your energy to one individual task. But if you put a lot on your plate and you say, I care about all of these things equally, then you don't have an option to be disorganized because then you won't, you won't give energy to things you care about. You know what I mean? So I think the biggest thing is just being organized and then following through. Yeah. I mean, this is one thing that I think Josh, you and I have talked about a bunch too, is like, yo, not even to sound like an old head. I've done it like a couple times to you, but when I wasn't at school, I was in like the same position as you. I had this whole life going on outside of school mm-hmm. and other kids necessarily wouldn't understand it yeah. because it's like, your college you're supposed to just get smacked up, meet some shorties, you know what I'm saying? But you cut your career oriented. Yeah. And is it is it a tough balance for you? Because it's like shit, this is like my last time to like enjoy college, but I also got all this stuff booming for me. Yeah, for sure. Like last year was a little different because I guess I didn't have as much work at the studio yet. So like um it was more of like a uh, school first, work second balance. But like after the summer, you know, like my role at the studio has changed a bit. So um, I'm still trying to figure out like what the balance is between school, like hanging out with my friends and doing fun stuff and then work. Like Tuesday night was a great example. Like all my friends and stuff went to like this bar for like the first senior bar night. It was a white horse. That's the not pub, what, that's not what it's it. called. You're thinking of Dark Horse. Dark, Dark Horse? Horse? Yeah. White Horse is a BC yeah, bar. There's a White Horse, yeah. It's a BC bar. Many horses oh, okay. around Boston area. <clears throat> Too many demons. Paul Revere's came on his horse. Know what he said? The British, the are, British coming. are coming. Nice. The British are coming. They're geniuses. Yeah, you guys are But yeah, like, tops, I, you know? I had to go to work Tuesday night, so like I didn't get to go. And I don't, I'm, like, I'm not upset about it. I don't think I missed I miss much, you but didn't. still. I think you do a good job. I think like Josh will he'll come to me and be like, Friday or Saturday night, which one do I need to be home? And I'll... I'll I'll speak to the powers that be and I'll say Saturday night that's the big night. It's the mental though. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah, that's the huge thing. Like when I'm at work, I don't want to be thinking about what I'm missing. I want to be focused on work. And when I'm hanging out with my friends, I don't want to be thinking about damn, I should be at work. I that is tough. So like I think it's really just about like when you're doing one or the other, putting in 100% and like giving in your all that way, you know you like did what you could. But also like I've Five months left of school because I'm gonna be done after the semester and like I want to enjoy it. Yeah, like, I know work will still be there after the five months. All my friends won't be. Yeah, that's a fact. Well, they will be if you're friends with them. Yeah, but like I live within. We've talked about this before. We all live ten minutes from each other. Yeah, that's, that's fire. crazy. That's one thing. That's I'm, never gonna happen again. Exactly. That's one thing I miss about school is like you live with your friends full time and like you also. When you're at school, you have a market, too. I'm surprised, like, you guys haven't tried to start up any business within school yet. Have you guys tried to sell anything? What do you mean? Like, you have, like, an, a captive market on a college campus. You can sell stuff. You can start up products. You can start up ideas. I'm surprised, Surf Miggity, you haven't 
try to fire anything up with surfing, your innovative brain. I don't know if I'm that innovative. I feel like... I think you're selling yourself short, man. You think so? I sell you up big, don't I? He's not that innovative. I don't feel like I'm that innovative. Dude, you made an amazing shelving unit. That's true. That's not innovation. That was not <laughs> Dude, you know how to call Ikea. I feel like you don't know what innovation means. Dude, innovation is like when you do that thing and that other thing happens. You know what I'm saying? No, not at all. I don't know. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're right, though. There you know are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who... Who you know. Yes. Who are like, oh, my God, look at this kid in our class that's starting up this idea. Dude, well, 100% buy stuff. Like, you're thinking about like trying to sell stuff to like, kids in our class and stuff like that? Or just starting anything. Like, I think kids should start music at school. You should just try as much as you can. I don't know. I like, somewhat know the music scene at Towson. Like, it's, right. it's not mixing for Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of kids are like into jazz and stuff, which is cool, but that's just not. Yeah, no, you're feeling it. You got yeah. those jazz glasses on, though, boy. Yes, sir. I like those. Thank you. For sure. <laughs> is Cowboy Recorder Phoenix? Yeah, I, he doesn't, but like he has. I saw that dude, um, Isaiah Valmont. He got a oh, you know placement. I follow him on Instagram. Or, but that was crazy. Yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, that was like through the T Drape. Um, right, right, right. He got a Cowboy on. Is T Drape from Boston? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So yeah, T Drake. I hadn't heard of him before that. I Dude. think I think it might come out this Friday. It has a song with Cowboy yeah, that yeah, Zay yeah. produced. And you mixed right. it? Yeah. Let's right. go. Hundred Racks, baby. Go check it out. It's gonna be a YouTube video dropping Friday. Is it Hundred Racks or Hundred Racks? Hundred Racks. Okay. Like they spelled it with the numbers or I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's like one zero zero. Yeah, one zero zero racks. It's fire. Cow it was dope because Cowboy came in to do one feature for him and T. Drape had like three songs with an open verse on each one, and he was going to let Cowboy pick his favorite. Cowboy came in, did the feature, we're like, you know, mixing it down, like finishing up, and he was just like, fuck it, pull up another one. Ended up doing this one after he had already like done the feature that he was paid for, and killed it. Like this one, he bought it. Yeah. Yeah, so it was dope. Like he basically did a f- another verse for free, and like that's the one that is going to come out. I think it, it seems like that happens a lot at the studio, though. People come in and do one thing, like especially with the little baby stuff, and then it just end up people yeah. just end up locking in. Well, that's the one thing about the studio; it's like there's an authentic vibe to it, so people feel comfortable. There. That's what people always say, like when they're like, "It's not like uh, not to throw shade, but it's not like Cyber Sound yeah. or something." It's not like OD professional. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have that corporate vibe. You feel the same way? Yeah, totally. There's like the red couches. There's like a ping pong table. Like there's, I was, there's it's haunted. Is it haunted? <laughs> Is it haunted? I. If you go upstairs and you listen closely, you hear sounds that you don't hear elsewhere. That's all I have to say. Hey, I concur. Yeah. That's probably Studio Mike's spirit still playing around. <laughs> Studio Mike the legend, who was on the podcast. He was. T-Drip was on the podcast too, actually. Oh, so really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Geechee sat on the episode. Geech. Geech. Shout out, Geech. So, uh, real quick, we'll get back to the Boston music stuff. But, Mike, you come in, right? Fresh off working for the PGA Tour. Fire. Yeah. Well, can you elaborate on that experience just a little bit? Yeah, so I worked as a runner for um, Fox Sports, who happened to be contracted for the U.S. Open. A, a production runner. Yes, production runner. For so, a live TV set type thing. Yeah, pretty much. So basically, I was out in Monterey, California for about 10 days just doing all the little things. Kind of similar to what I was doing in the studio, whether whether it was as small as like refilling water coolers or um even like talking to players like pga golfers um 
runners really just do like the, the lowest level yeah. stuff. But it's it was like, it's like it was being a PA. It's a, it, it basically is a PA um, role. But it was an incredible experience. You know, like you know, I play golf at Tufts, so I, I loved that. It was super fun. Tufts golf captain. You're the captain. One of four. Dude, all the seniors are captain. yourself short, man. Because I can't say I'm the captain. That's not true. That's not. I said you're a captain. Okay. You could say you're the captain. It would be egotistical. He, he's but. not the captain. I'm shout the ca- out, I'm shout the captain. out, Vcar. Vcar. Vcar is the captain. Oh. So you're like one of those sub-captains. <laughs> I'm the captain of nutrition and wellness on the team. That's a fact. So let's get into that. that Tell was, me. That was self-appointed. That was a great segue. Listen, Mike. <laughs> so one thing about Mike is he, he'd come around the studio, man, trying to spread all that propaganda, boy. Yes, sir. That's Surf Mike plant-based vegan propaganda. And so we ran an episode with Nick Rakuya of Keto Brownie. Great kid. Great dude. Great guy. I, I also tried the keto brownie, bro. It's actually dope. It's amazing. I'm sure it tastes like a brownie. It did. And it's like, oh my God, I'm on that GDP crucifix diet anyway, and this is good for me. <laughs> this is amazing, dude. So, I wish it was good for you. You know what? Boom. Say that's my washboard six pack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But, no, but for real. <laughs> but so Mike would come around the studio with this propaganda, the vegan propaganda. But listen, I'm not going to discredit it. The one thing I will say that me and Josh had a little bit of a shtick behind your back is mm-hmm. that some of the meals you prepared did look like NASA food, like something they would serve astronauts. So can you just kind of elaborate on why but you... Can I just speak... That's because he's not a very... He wasn't a very good cook. He's getting better. I was under a time constraint. Can we, can we admit that? Have you ever seen like... Or like a... You like saw old what? lean cuisine. That has nothing to do with the diet, though. That has to do with Mike and his under seasoning of food. It was like this big, like blown out eggplant or squash with like it was a beans. yam. It was a it was yam. A yam. It was it was just black yam. beans. Connor, Connor, you saw a sweet potato and black beans, and you said, "What planet is this from?" <laughs> Dude, it looked extraterrestrial. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so are you not enjoying it anymore? I love it. Okay, can you? Yeah, can you kind of start off on why you? Uh, why you chose to go plant-based in the first place. Because I think this is... A lot of people are interested. Yeah. All can aside, I'm super passionate about it. So I'm happy to talk. Um, originally, so my sister was whole food plant-based, or that's like the dietary version of vegan, for about a year before me. And, I, and just to full disclosure, I was calling her crazy at the time. I was like, my sister's name is Maddie. I was like, Maddie, you're vegan. That's crazy. Like, you got to stop that eat some chicken i was saying that back then you were eating bacon back then too i was loving burgers a bison burger loved it bison burger um cheese like eggs all that stuff loved it and so she sent me this study this very famous study by the like the the father of plant-based medicine named dr caldwell esselstyn and there was 200 people in this study sounds like a vegan yeah big time fat vegan yeah but not fat very no like phat yes so in this study, there were 200 very sick people who all had cardiac disease. Their plaques were basically, their, excuse me, their arteries were full of plaque. And as a last resort chance at life, they agreed to the study where they went on a whole food plant-based diet. Now what that means is they ate only vegetables, fruits, nuts, legumes, no oils, no processed foods, no refined sugars. 
and no meat. And no meat. <laughs> no fish, no eggs, no dairy, etc. Which, to be fair, is like different than like just what being a vegan entails. Yes, definitely. Yes. Being a vegan, I can have Ben and Jerry's non-dairy ice cream. Yeah, that seems like it's, it's like a paleo diet without eating meat. It's a whole food diet without anything paleo. Which is what a... No, well, you can have nuts on paleo, right? Yeah. yeah. So what, is, what do you mean by whole food? Is that like just so non-processed? A whole food like, is like an apple, like a potato, a... It like, comes from the earth. Okay. It just is in its natural form, whereas like a processed food is like Doritos or right. something like, like potato that. Potato chips. Yes, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Nothing um, from a factory. Exactly. And so in this study of 200 people who were very sick, about 40 of them saw complete reversal of their heart disease. So literally, after three years, their arteries no longer had plaque in them, and they lived many, many years after this. And that's something that has never been seen before in any other diet. When was the study? Um, I want to say... Couldn't have been that long ago. No, this was like early 2000s or like 2010, maybe. Oh, so Dr. Esselstyn is still around? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's old, but he's still around. He sounds sounds like a... Like, he's, like, a historic figure. Yeah. Um, but that, like, blew my mind pretty much. Like, people just l- went off all of the medication they were taking, which was supposedly to help, like, help them live longer. And they just ate foods, and then they lived a really healthy life. And does heart disease run in your family? What's that? Does heart disease run in your family? No. But essentially what we've learned from a whole food vegan diet is that you can cure, reverse, or at least treat, like, many of the leading killers of our people like heart disease kills is responsible for one in four deaths in the united states um there's atherosclerosis there's strokes diabetes all these things um even alzheimer's there's a lot of research about alzheimer's and and neurodegenerative diseases like these things do not exist in the same at the same rates in cultures that eat very little animal products okay so i understand josh i'm gonna try to work you in on this too so you did you also try to go vegan for a little bit yeah um, what my, were some benefits that you felt cognitively? Cognitive, um, waking up was the biggest one cognitively for you, me. You didn't feel groggy? Yeah. And I think part of that was like not eating right before I went to bed too. But like, yeah, Mike kind of showed me the stuff that he was just talking about. Watched a documentary that had Dr. Um, Esselstyn in it. And um, yeah, really, I was just like, I'm going to try this for 30 days, see what happens. And cognitively felt great um there also could be a placebo effect with it too definitely definitely Mm -hmm. but physically like just like i definitely was eating like crap beforehand so it was kind of a you know stark difference it was also like it was probably like stifling your habit though too it was like i'm eating like shit okay now i'm eating clean i kind of feel like a little more confident in my decisions yeah i just didn't feel bloated after i ate which was like big (laughs) as weird as i hate like how much you hate feeling bloated now I mean, like, I rarely do, but it's not a good feeling. But when you do, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, why do I feel that? That's, yeah. that's the same way I feel. That's yeah. what the kids would call inflammation. Yeah. Familiar with the term? 100%. So, like, most diets now, in terms of disease and, like, trying to prevent bad stuff from happening to you, you want a diet that is minimal inflammation. Yeah. Am I right? Yes. And every, every time we eat animal protein, whether it's eggs, fish, chicken, beef, that creates an immediate inflammatory response in our body. And that's what causes a lot of these diseases because over time, chronic inflammation is not good for us. Especially around the heart. Heart. Exactly. Yeah. So when you say plaque, do you mean cholesterol? 
Is um, that what that is? Well, cholesterol creates. Also, a lot. quick note for anybody listening or watching: Mike and I do not have PhDs. This yes, is just. I, I'm not. This is internet knowledge. Opinions of two normal people. Yes, one I, with a wash. I've I've learned enough in order to explain it. <laughs> Continue. I've learned enough <laughs> in order to explain it, but yeah, I'm not a doctor in this situation. But I should mention, doctors need almost like they need to do about two hours of nutrition work. Before they be, can become yeah, PhDs, that so is ridiculous. Don't don't listen to your doctor about nutrition because like they probably don't know. I mean, no, that actually is absurd. They probably don't. They might though. They're going to tell you what the what the American like Dietetic Association. Not every said. doctor. Not yeah, every doctor. But what people are starting to learn is that you know there's this massive influx in anxiety and depression in our society. A lot of it is probably linked to diet. For sure. Yeah. And, and people are just not understanding that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You feel the same way? Like, you're starting to eat clean, too, correct? Yeah, because <clears throat> I think as I uh, started, like, studying um, nutrition and, like, diets more, like, I realized how, like, messed up just, like, the daily eating habits of, like, the normal American is. It's crazy. Compared to, like, other countries. Mm-hmm. Terrible. It's awful. Yeah, I'm not out here saying that everyone needs to, like, be, like, strictly vegan, reading labels, but, like... I just want people to eat more vegetables and fruits. Like that's yeah. really all it comes down to. More beans instead of meat. Like, you'll feel better. Beans so, are the way. So one thing I will. I'm not vegan. I am strict about my diet, but I'm not vegan because I want. I want to get that protein in. You feel me? So for someone who's trying to bulk up, right, or maintain muscle mass, mm-hmm. how are you going to do it on a vegan diet? I mean, like, have you heard of the the movie The Game Changers coming out? I have not. It's uh, directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jackie Chan. Um, okay. J- actually, James Cameron is the one doing the executive directing, who's the Avatar director. And it's all about vegan bodybuilding and like erasing these stigmas that um, you need to eat meat to get protein when it exists in like bountiful amounts in a vegan diet. So like, there's a quote that says... It's protein, but it's not animal protein. Yes. Which protein. has the most growth hormone in it. Sure. If you want like the growth hormone of another animal. Um, but yeah, like you can I'm a still sicko. <laughs> Continue. Josh is stone faced. Um, where was I there? You were talking about the the eighteen. Oh yeah, or the um, game changer. There are uh, <laughs> like same movie, right? Like Terry Crews. Yeah, like. pretty much. Um, so what they show is that like one, you can get like hundreds of grams of protein if you want on a vegan diet. Um, but what, two, what would you eat specifically? Um, beans, tofu, broccoli. Peas have a ton of protein. There's like foods called tempeh and um, what is tempeh? Grains have a ton of protein. Seitan. Seitan. What is seitan? Seitan is good call. Thank you. It's made from the protein found in wheat, so wheat gluten. <laughs> Sounds wildly unappetizing, bro. It's not no, good. You like it? Don't. The one thing I will say is, it is not. The foods are not that good tasting. The, like, protein alternatives, yeah. Like, obviously, like, vegetables are dope. Like, I love sweet potatoes and shit like that, but, like, like the tofurkey, bro, ugh. What's tofurkey? It's supposed to be, like, a sausage, but, you know, it's plant-based. You don't need to have the tofurkey. You don't want to have the tofurkey. So what's, like a, so what's, like, a base meal for you? You're trying to get some proteins in, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to do a lot of brown rice, a lot of broccoli, sweet potato, avocado, Tons of beans. Um, at Chipotle, you can just you can literally can get all of what I just said without um, the meat. Sofritas yeah, at Chipotle. Yeah. To- tofu based, the best option at Chipotle before and after being vegan. So good. Yeah, it's fire. 
It's actually really good. You get those fajita veggies too. Mm-hmm. So how how are you going to entice somebody to start this diet? Like what what would you say like, yo, honestly, if you're going to try this out, this is something that will definitely happen for you. Can I speak to that? Because I'm somebody who yeah. just like started. Please do. Yeah. So like for me, it was like there was a couple points. It, the main thing was the health aspect of it. It was like, I don't want to die of a heart attack in my 50s. Like, God forbid. You know what I mean? Dude, you're not going to die in your 50s. I mean, I, you could die tomorrow. You don't know. If anyone's dying first, it's me. Continue though. Well, I hope not. Well, bro, I have the worst habits, even though I'm like, I'm like too healthy. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep going though. All right, yeah, just move on. All right. Um, so the health thing was like the first point of it. The second thing, and this was huge for me, was like the environmental impact of like the meat and dairy industry, which is crazy. And I had no idea about this before Mike like showed me some stuff about this, like the Netflix documentary Cowspiracy. Was this the thing on the uh, like the Walmart milk company? Cowspiracy? No, that's that was the. I think that was the ethical treatment of the animals. Yeah, the well, fair this, life. This is more about like literally the environmental impact that like. The production of meat yeah. has. It's crazy. Like a cow eats about, was it like 100 to 150 pounds of grain a day. So like we need to grow an insane amount of grain to feed all the, to feed all the cows that we like need for milk and beef. And why is that bad? So can I drop a couple of facts? Get in here. Um, over half of the grain grown across the entire world is not fed to human beings. It's fed to livestock pigs, cows, sheep, etc., to then fatten them up so then we can eat them. We could feed over 10 billion people in the world if we use all the food that we're growing for human beings. So on the, one... The food that we're growing for pigs yes, so we use that yes. to humans. On one acre of land, you can grow 50,000 pounds of potatoes, 40,000 pounds of tomatoes, 30,000 pounds of carrots. On that same acre of land, you can grow 250 pounds of meat. So this process is extremely unsustainable. Um, 85% of the world's soy is not grown for human beings. It's not coming to edamame and tofu. It's going into feed for animals. Um, Not only is that like so sad for the people who are dying of hunger throughout the world, but it's destroying our rainforest. So like, I'm sure you guys have heard about the rainforest that's burning right now. The Amazon. The Amazon. Yeah, the, the, the big rainforest. It's the world's biggest. That 25% of the oxygen comes from that rainforest. Um, do you know why it's burning? Because they're trying to like wait, open wait. it up for... Wait, let's just give it a second for a dramatic effect. Ask the question one time. Why is the Amazon burning? Why? Big fresh. Well, I heard it was because they're trying to like open up more farmland to like grow more you know, grains and food and whatnot. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So like, I think there's a big misconception that, and that's correct, that it, it's just wildfire, you know, like, oh, like another like global warming type thing, wildfires. But really it's intentional burning of the forest by cattle farmers. So they, they burn the land and then they open it up for grazing of cows and, and they pigs. were trying to make the fires controlled. Yes. And, mm-hmm. it just and then spread. it spread. Yes. Uh, what's, um, what's the status of it right now? The fire? Do you guys know? I do not. I do not either. But I know that the the president of Brazil is not accepting money from the from the United States and other countries because the like, the president is so funded by the meat and dairy industries. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The same way like Big Oil or any other you know private company with public interest has lobbyists. Same thing for the meat and dairy industry, and they're powerful. 
Okay. They are spending millions upon millions of dollars every single day to make it so we do not question the health effects or the environmental effects or the ethical treatment of animals. Like, you remember when you were in school and you learned about, like, the food pyramid? Yes. And, like, dairy is a fat slice of that. And so is meat. Like, who do you think made that? I feel you. I'm starting to learn at this age, too, that a lot of the stuff we learned, you got to think of the people who are actually teaching you. And that's exactly. why it's hard. It's hard because, like, I don't, I don't judge or blame anyone for how they eat. Or like, he blames so many. People. I do not. I do not. Yeah, because don't, don't be a. Sh- don't be one of those. I'm not. I'm not. He is. I am not. <laughs> because I once didn't know any of this stuff. So okay, quick segue. Segue. So we're in the kitchen, right? Shubinsky's over here. He's like, all right, I did the vegan for thirty days. Then he I ta- still haven't eaten meat, by the way. Oh, so you're you're are you vegetarian? Or? Yeah, I've had dairy products here. Okay. So let's say Shubinsky, you know, he just celebrated number one record. He's like, I'm going to make myself some bacon. Mm-hmm. He whips up that bacon. There's no way that the scent comes into your nose, though, and it doesn't trigger something in your brain. We're like, yo, that smells fire. Smells so good. But I have watched hours upon hours of slaughterhouse footage. Houses, this guy is ridiculous. Houses, <laughs> of, houses of slaughter. That's what they're called. And they're legal. And they're necessary. That is one terrible thing is the way they treat animals is awful so i personally care less about the treatment of animals you are sick i know i'm sick in the head because but that's what everybody thinks of a vegan yeah you know what i mean i don't well, there's a connotation with vegans right now where it's my way or no way yeah which you're familiar with right? definitely um but i think like we also need to like if you watch a lot of slaughterhouse footage and then you go and like buy like a bacon sandwich i'm not saying you should be like chastised but like all of our actions have consequences you know what i mean so like if like have you have you seen like an hour of pigs just getting killed like it's it's terrible to watch so you after 10 minutes you kept watching for 15 more minutes it's brutal bro <laughs> i have to because then if i don't watch it how am i going to tell people what happens people got to know about this okay <laughs> all right nonetheless so I have, I have two questions. Please. Um, uh, one is um, so like, you know, when you eat like junk food and stuff like that, you know, like the sugar is like the addicting part, and like that's why it's so hard for some mm-hmm. people to kick it. What is it about meat that's like, you know, when you smell it, you're like, oh, I want that, or like when you eat it, you just like can't like let it go. Um, I believe. I mean, I'm not sure 100, percent but right. we have this. Um, it's called the pleasure trap, and it's basically like we crave foods that are the most caloric that are the densest because like biologically evolutionarily mm. we are drawn to these foods that will leave us a lot of energy so we won't die right. now we drive a car to the supermarket and can get whatever we want we don't need to be eating meat to get through a famine we instead we pack it on like ounces of meat a day um, i concur and i know what you're saying but there is something very evolutionary about the earliest humans eating both veggies aka leaves and plants mm-hmm. and animals so why go vegan if you could just go paleo with organic meats because organic well i think if, like obviously the environmental impact like that one's there's not really like a big debate there like we know that it's not great for the environment but i so like you could be a whole food plant-based person and just like eat the foods because they're best for your health i have gone like even further and 
I consider myself like an ethical vegan. So when I see like a burger or a chicken, like I've associated that too much with just like things dying. Like I've been asked doing times, like if I want a chicken sandwich, like would I slit the throat of a chicken in front of me? Or would I let someone else do that in front of me? Sick. And I'm just like, this no. Is actually sick. Would you do like, would you slit the throat of a chicken in front of you if you wanted a chicken sandwich? Honestly? Yeah. Where's that chicken sandwich coming from? Is that Chick-fil-A? I mean, it's in front of you. So the chicken's right there. Chicken's on this stool right here. It's and just chilling. And the chicken is... And you say, I want a spicy Chick-fil-A sandwich. Fire. But and you have to take the chicken and just slice its throat. Game of Thrones style. Yes. Would you, would you do that? Or would you have a veggie burger from Chick-fil-A that tastes spicy? Bro, honestly. Spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah, that chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's your prerogative. Hey, chicken sandwich boys are in the building. You would not slaughter the chicken, Josh. I, you one, don't know me? Yeah, I do. <laughs> one more, I quick, one I more quick segue on the vegan. Yeah. Mike, I have also think uh, I'll commend you. You've done a very transparent job of explaining your point. Great work. Thank you. It's probably all that that vegan cognition, that clear-mindedness. Look at his skin. That's what I was going to say, bro. So yeah, even it's skin. Dude, this guy's skin is radiating. Radiating. Radiant. Radiatingly clean skin. <clears throat> is this an effect of the vegan diet? Dude, you look like a freshly baked cookie. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, maybe. I do know that when people like have acne and they quit dairy and they quit meat, like... And sugars. Why? Sugars. Just got to cut the sugars. Sure. No sugars. Mike, you got to cut the sugars. All right. No sugars. Um, I know that helps a lot. Um, there's mad. Like, there's a ton of videos you can look up, like, meat and acne. I know dairy and acne because, like, if you're eating dairy, you're eating all of the um, estrogen, the testosterone, the cortisol, all of these hormones from, excuse me, another animal. That's all getting in our system. And, like, acne is caused by, like, infections and a lot of it's hormonal. Um, so when you're just, when you stop eating the hormones of other animals, you just have your own hormones. You only have your cholesterol. And I think that would definitely help with acne. Science aside, vegan Mike, aka Surf Mike, is vegan and he's got clean skin. That's just a good selling point. And uh, I think, Wait, we, got, I think uh, we got a solid clip. Yeah, hold on. Wait, uh, uh, big fresh. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, big fresh. You got nice skin too, bro. Yeah, Thank I was you, about to say. No I cap. Try to drink a lot of water. I think that's the water same. is yeah. essential. Yeah. Water, more water, coffee. But um, I was gonna ask. I don't know how much research you've done into this, but like you've seen like the synthetic meat like kind mm-hmm. of videos. Do you see that as like a viable low emission alternative to meat? So synthetic, you mean like in a lab grown, lab grown with yeah. cell with mm-hmm. cells? Um, yeah, I think that's for like for someone who cares about the ethics of animals, like. For sure, I think that's if that's way better if we progress to that point where we can grow a burger from. Wait, they can grow meat in a lab. Yeah. In the same way they we do that now. In the same yeah. way we produce. Like, I don't think it's been like brains and stuff approved by the FDA tissue. yet, but like people, you know, they've made that? burgers out of like lab grown meat. It's years away before before we like say that's cool. But I like, think people would be. So like, you mean well, like people are putting like meat into like beakers and stuff? Yeah, and then it grows. Yeah. You give it like the proper like food it needs. Yeah. It's like molecularly, it's like exactly the same as big meat. Big pass, big pass. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to create, I still think health health effects, like we would still see much of the same like, oh yeah, for sure. Like bad stuff for the American people or people everywhere. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, but at this point, you might it's just cool. go Joe I feel Rogan like if you can grow the meat, you can also extract some of the 
you know the harmful yeah, parts of it yeah it's you wouldn't have antibiotics you wouldn't have like the stuff that are shooting into the meat mm-hmm. but you would have the effects of animal protein like the right. acidosis the inflammation so one thing i will tell you though is what's nice about both the internet and this new health consciousness is that this video when this goes up will be here in 20 years still that's the thing about the internet and there will be much more concrete studies on a lot of these diets because they're so early and we'll be able to look back and we'll either be like dude we were so right or dude we were terribly wrong you know i think in 20 years you're gonna listen to this while you're eating like a synthetic burger probably (laughs) yeah i know and my wife's gonna be a robot (laughs) what's up shorty all right so listen (laughs) segue mike great work thank you connor you guys having fun you enjoying yourself yeah what time is it by the way Oh, big Hollywood. What time you got class? 10.30. Okay. Then we got about hashtag 13 minutes. It's 9.50. Beautiful. So, listen, Josh. Connor. For content. Big Bochi. For content for the kids. I'm going to do something for the kids right now. Dude. You're a fearless leader. I only really do it for the kids, to be honest. That's a fact, bro. And, yo, you're going to be a great dad. Thanks, man. I've heard that before. <laughs> I kind of think it will be a great. Time. One of you will make a great mother. He's quoting the office. And office he's doing joke. a terrible job. Office joke. Office joke. Not the. Do you watch your office? Sorry, not the time. I don't. I but don't remember you don't that watch quote. Really? Who says that? I You're one of I think very it's, few white uh, people. It's Michael Scott. Uh, I saw look to your left. Mark. Look to your right. Really? One yeah. of you will die. Yeah, one of you. I don't know. Dude, you know he has number one hits, right? Creed yeah, he was like a. Dude, a legend he, back in the dude, day. Dude, he has number one Billboard hits. That's so funny. And so his whole shtick was he, uh, he it was like comedy intertwined with a lot of his songs. And Bro. dude, people at the end, I saw Creed Bratton live, were bawling their eyes out when he played the Office song because oh, the really? show was over. Yeah. It was a packed show at Middle East Downstairs and people were bawling. Well, his character in the show is roughly based on him in real life like in the oh, show he's the he, same dude he was the same exact dude yeah like he was like in the show he plays the guy who was like in a band and like and his dude. name's creed and yeah real, creed Bren. yeah this is his name in the show yeah yeah okay segue though yeah so there is a lot i think people don't necessarily understand that is going on in boston music specifically out of the studio and i know since we're all been around the studio it doesn't seem like that it's that big of a deal. But but I tell other people these experiences that are going on in the studio that are connected to Boston music and they're like, dude, I cannot believe that that's happening. And so ultimately, I think it's just, it's kind of a, it's very hopeful for what's going on in Boston. Yeah, for sure. And so can you kind of elaborate on some of your experiences recently and how they've transpired? Yeah, so there's some stuff like I can talk about but, and there's some stuff I can, but like what I can say is um, there is so much talent in Boston right now through all facets of music. I'm talking like from artists in different genres, but mainly hip hop, to producers, to engineers now. There is a high concentration, really at Phoenix Down, of talented people who are giving this their all, which I mean... I'm from, you know, suburbs of New York, so I don't really know what it was like before, but I, you might have a better idea than me. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever been like that. Yeah. Well, I think specifically, I know you can't talk about everything going on, but Josh has worked with major commercial artists. Yeah, but even on, like, the local side, like, um, you have artists now who are, you know, on their 
getting pretty big, you know, able to sell out shows at like Brighton Music Hall or whatnot. And they're working together. Like Millie's, G.O.D., D the Flyest, um, more who I can't think of right yeah. now, but those are the first three that come to mind that like are like in this together and, you know, are trying to like lift each other mm-hmm. up. Like when one of them does well, they all do well, which is super dope. I think I agree. I also think for people who are getting into Boston music, a lot of people previously wouldn't think, and Abu, you can attest to this, but a lot of people previously wouldn't think, okay, you come here, there's no way you could have a major commercial mm-hmm. shot at anything. Yeah. The fact that there are actually these massive commercial industry artists coming here and working within the city and in the studio is a much bigger deal than I think people realize. Would you agree? Yeah. I think that's why you see so many um, artists popping out of Atlanta so often is because everyone there is so like good about like helping each other up and kind of putting other people on. Like Young Thug, like you know, he could have been like, "Nah, like everyone's trying to co- copy my sound. I'm not gonna put him on." But he like literally like brought like three, maybe four people like into like the limelight. Now Probably all, more. Like, selling. Yeah, when you yeah. really think about yeah. it, ton. Yeah. But um, I really think that's like what you're talking about with big commercial artists coming in. It's almost like a validation in a sense. It's a hope doing. thing for kids. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe little baby has been in Boston. Yeah, like the little baby thing is huge because it's like, okay, this is a guy who's like kind of at the top of his game right now. He's in like, the industry. Yeah, in the throughout the country, like you know, he's got hits with. He has nine billion streams, which is crazy. Like, that's wild to think about. Josh also he helped mix baby. I can say that. That's fine. Maybe that's that's out. I know. Right. You know how I feel about that record. You you didn't like the second mix. It or? changed a lot. Yeah. There was a line where it was like two wrist hit, which I really liked. He I, took it that. was in the final. Yeah, he took that. I think he took it out. Yeah. Yeah. You're but saying what changed the mix or the just the song structure? Both. Because originally it was just a little baby song. The one uh, thing I will tell you is that when I heard that in the studio, everyone, yeah, you heard it the first. He's time, heard the original version. It's fire. But when you when I heard it for the first time, bro, and I was looking at Josh, I was like, "Yo, bro, this is so no, this is." Yeah, I mean, it was crazy because like to have somebody like that, like you said, like a commercial industry artist, come in and like validate what we're doing and tell us that we're dope. Like it's awesome, you know. In this like little studio in Boston, yeah, it's hope. Like you said, it's like we're really doing this, and we can do this. At the same time, a lot of the infrastructure is missing from Boston. You don't have A and R's coming through. You don't have labels with um, offices in Boston, you know, who are scouting talent. So, like, to take the next step, I do think a lot of artists do have to look towards New York, which is pretty close, or L.A. See, that's one thing. So, early on in the show, I had this shtick where I was like, yo, Boston Entertainment is next. And I still feel that way. But listen, I, I still feel that way about certain things. But I asked, do you remember I asked Dave Wedge? I was like, dude, this, this is the guy who wrote uh, the Mark Wahlberg movie, oh, yeah, Patriot yeah, yeah. Day. I was like, mm-hmm. what's it going to take, man? He's like, it's never going to happen. LA and New York will always be superior. It's true, it's because of the infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. You can't like build that stuff in a day or a year even. So. Yeah, they've just been doing it. Yeah, and they're all there. Like All the labels have offices in either New York or LA. So it's like, why would they come to Boston? But have you noticed there's a niche for people trying to do stuff in Boston because it's so undersaturated if you just actually put the work in. Yeah, and what you realize really quickly is that like you can kind of meet everyone who's doing it very quickly because Boston is not that big and it's like especially creative niche you've noticed it's pretty small. Yeah, like I know most of the guys doing it now and it's like they're all good guys. And that I think a lot of that has to do with like you don't have that infrastructure in place to, you know, turn people into stars where in their own mind, turn them into stars. 
So people are just kind of like stay working, stay humble. And that's and, a huge part of like the Boston mentality. And also it's very it's very Boston because it's so many people wear so many different hats that it's like to, like 21-year-olds that were like helping manage like the most the studio that's moving the most. It's yeah, like you very boss. It's crazy. Well, it's the truth though. And like in LA, it'd be like a forty-five-year-old dude who has like years. Yeah, of music in experience. LA, we would still be interns at a studio. Probably. You'd be interned for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? before we yeah. even get to like touch a board or anything. Yeah, which is fire. But yeah, that's just like totally Boston, you know. And Josh is also like an engineering prodigy. You know, how long have you been like heavy on engineering now? Like a year and a half. Yeah. So like, I didn't. I hadn't, like, touched Pro Tools until, like, maybe 14 months ago. Yeah. And so he's already, like, working with these major commercial artists, and he's 21. Only getting better. Most engineers, like, when do they hit their pinnacle? They can do it their whole life, right? Yeah, that's the thing that I'm trying to beat is that, like, you see the top, top engineers. I'm talking the guys who are doing, like, all the billboard hits are all over 30, at least. Rick Rubin. I mean, he's a producer, but that's like, you know. But he engineers as well, right? A little bit, but he's mainly a producer. Um, but, like, I'm talking, like, Manny American, Tony Maserati, Jason Joshua. Those are, like, the big three. They're doing, like, the Beyonce, the, um, you know, Justin Bieber records, the Ed Sheeran records. the You know what I'm talking Just, like, yeah. the top of the top. Um, and, like, the Sway Lee, Travis Scott, whatever it be. Um, they're all, like, at least 35. And they've been doing this forever. Because what do you learn about engineering and like I'm starting to learn this is like you just build up like this catalog in your brain of like information that you can just pull on for any song like oh I've seen this in that song before and I know it will work here and the more you have that the more like wealth of knowledge you can draw upon the better your mix in your brain kind of yeah like oh I've seen shakers in this type of song so I know what to do with the shakers or whatever it is yeah that was one thing I learned from John too he was like dude like People act like engineering is not creative, but like the computer is my instrument. Oh, it's hella creative. I yeah, I don't get people who say that. There is a technical side that's more like sciencey, I guess you could say for sure. But like every like that's the thing about engineers. Like at some point, every engineer knows the same stuff. We know how EQs work. We know how compressors work. You know. You know when to do certain things. It's fine. It's yeah. Marker. That was my phone. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Did it crack? No, it looks like it landed on its back. It's back. She lives. <laughs> hey. So like, yeah, but like, um, so that what it really comes down to as an engineer then is like your taste. Mm-hmm. If we're all using the same tools and we all know how to use them, like you're selling your taste at the end of the day. So real quick segue before we end, what have you, what did you learn specifically from your experience in the studio? Cause I mean, I honestly down the line, quick shout out. Mike is now working with Mikey Bonkers pretty fire. <laughs> but and about that yeah. yeah was it nice having practical business experience the studio is technically a startup was that did you learn a lot for sure i think it was really cool hearing a song sound terrible when an artist created <laughs> it and then have josh or john or the, the other on. engineer leo or leo like, i was gonna say leo. shout out leo shout mixed out it. leo mixed it fire engineer and producer on the way the up homie the boy. Legend. Shout He's got to get on here. Shout out to Leo. Actually, he might not be good at this. I can see him being a bad engineer. It was amazing here. <laughs> He's a great guy. Great guy. It was really Leo. cool seeing a bad song turn into like something that I would listen to. Just because. I mean, for you, though, practical skill-wise. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Um, it was, you know, I've only, I've had, what, like three or four bosses in my life before this. Maybe like three actual ones. So, like, it was cool working with another person, seeing how... 
Um, not that Josh was my boss. We were equals. I was Mike's boss. He was below me all summer. We worked together. That is um, not true. It was it was very cool to uh, just have that have that experience of like trying to grow something authentically. You know, like I was the one like going to Home Depot, getting paint and painting a wall. Like that's that's fun. You know, I was like I was helping grow a place. I was helping making making look better. You know, that's a that's a, a cool experience that if you're in an executive role when you're fifty, you don't always do. You're not painting walls. No, you're not painting walls. Hey, guess who painted these walls? Was it you? Was it yourself? To be an Aquaman, yeah. So is that Jack? That's Jack, yeah. You went for the all black look. I like it. Yes, sir. Like the rugby what team. What color all were blacks. they? I said Juventus. 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 People say, "Is it sorry, tough, smart, Isn't dumb?" Hard J. Juventus. I thought it was Juventus. I think it's Juventus. It's definitely yeah. Juventus. Evan, our friend Evan, called it Juventus as a joke, Mike. Oh, oh Josh is Jewish. that's funny. That's funny. I get it. As a joke, see, I I have poor, it's, I know. poor cognitive ability. That's why I was his boss. Hey man, thank you, boss. Josh, real quick, <laughs> before we end, one, I actually think we got some great value. What did you like the vegan clip? Yeah, and we'll yeah, do Josh and music. Clip. I think one of each will definitely work. Yeah, cool. Shablimps. Hey, listen, real quick question for you. Yeah. What? have you learned specifically from an operational standpoint? Because one thing I will say is that, and I said it earlier, is you've improved a lot operationally understanding, okay, you got to communicate with this person to make sure this person happens, this, that, the other. And down the line, you're, you, you're an engineer, but do you ever see yourself transitioning into a more administrative role in music? Absolutely. You and I have talked about this forever. I look at like what Jimmy Iovine did starting you know jimmy Iovine was an engineer i don't know if a lot of people know that but he worked on like bruce records i think he got his big break like uh he got to record john lennon as like an assistant which was crazy but like moved eventually into more of an executive position and that's definitely something i see myself doing because because you want to be a boss i just think i have a knack for that stuff too like the same way i have a knack for engineering like i see myself in like a boardroom or whatever maybe like doing business also, like, I have an, I'm going to have an economics degree from Tufts. So, like, I'm just going to tell you right now, you guys will leave with your degrees and you're going to be like, wait, what is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, on an operational standpoint, I guess... Um, I think you have most fun with that. Yeah, I like it when things go how they're supposed smooth. to. Yeah, when things run smooth and you can kind of be like, I did that. And creating a system, you guys agree? Yeah, that's a huge thing. People knowing what they have to do when they come in every day is huge. And I've mm-hmm. learned that through like the intern process, which I was in charge of this summer. Like If they just come in and they don't know what they're supposed to do and they're just like sitting on the couch making a beat, like it's terrible. Yeah. So like now like they know. Like they have Clean to the floors. Floors. I mean, we don't have to go into all the details. It's, but it's like, just tra- transparency. It's yeah, like totally transparency. Important. Yeah, and then just like, um, just because you're somebody's boss doesn't mean you like talk down to them or anything like that. Like, you know. The best, I'm learning, the best leaders, you have to serve the people that are technically, you know. Yeah, because you're not the one doing what, you know, like you ask them to do something and they're doing it. So you can't speak on how like that process is, if that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. It's a team, man. Yeah, it really it's exactly it's a team. And I think John's learning that too. Because like I said, John was by himself for like five, six years. It's tough, especially when you build something up on your own. Yeah. It's like his baby. And now it's like everybody's baby. Baby putting on for the city. Baby got children. Come on, come on. Do you Taking get it? on both wrists hit. <laughs> Woo! All right. You'll never hey, hear that one. Hey, listen, these young men have to go to class. That's true. So 
this is how we start in the end of the episode. Hi, I'm Josh Schubeck, and this was my platinum hour. I'm ooh, like, ooh, I don't know. Where we're, we're, oh, true. We'll, this is just going to be. We'll probably call this Phoenix Down. We'll probably call it Phoenix Down. Boston Broccolinis? I don't think we'll call it no, the Boston Broccolinis. We'll probably, we, Phoenix Down's Golden Hour. That's yeah. probably what we'll call it. Um, we'll probably say Boston Studio, because remember the SEO stuff we were talking about? Yeah. We'll probably say Boston Studio, Phoenix Down Recordings, Golden Hour. Okay. I think uh, you can still say your name, though, right? They should definitely. But, but it's you not say my platinum hour. We'll just from. title it as Phoenix Down. Yeah. I'm Josh Hubeck. And this was the Phoenix Down Golden Hour. Oh, we gotta pass it off to Surf Mickety. Hi, I'm Mike Kendler, aka Surf Mike, and this was Boston Studio Phoenix Downs Golden Hour. No, no, no. It's this was, is and that was. It's this is. Oh, we have to do both. Yeah, you gotta do both. Ugh. And that was Boston Studio <laughs> Phoenix Downs. I would just Downs. say this is my Golden Hour, but we'll just like on the YouTube thing we'll title it. I would Phoenix say, Down hey, Studios. I'm Josh Schubeck. You guys know me. I don't know who I am anymore. And this is, and then you say, hey, I'm Mike. And this is, right? And then, this is Mike. And then you'd say, the same thing, break. But, hey, I'm Josh. And that was Everyone's got to whisper it down. Yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta take a step back. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. Yo, we should, we should do an ASMR episode. Josh, say it, Josh. Hi, I'm Josh Schubert. Hi, I'm Josh Schubeck. And I'm Surf Mike. And this was our golden hour. No. Uh, this, is, this is. <laughs> oh in that this is my golden hour. This is my golden hour. Hi, I'm Josh Schubeck. <laughs> Hi, I'm Josh Schubeck. And I'm Mike Kendler. And this is our golden hour. Nice. Next. All right, let's flip it. Right. Hi, I'm Mike Kendler. Hi, I'm Josh Schubeck. And that was our golden hour. Boom. Good stuff, plant-based Mike. Abu, you let me know. Good? Voila. Thanks for having us. Handshake. We're cut. I just like, I love the mic so much. I just don't even want to. Can you put the mic down? I don't know.